ready. We're recording. Are we good? We're good. So today on the main podcast, once again, I'm the host, Evan Headstash207, joined by my co-host, Carrie. How are you doing out there? Uh, and today we have two special guests, um, both accompanying each other. They're kind of both on the same mission, I guess you could say, uh, uh, through different avenues, but they're both political activists. Um, uh, we're joined by John Morrison, uh, the owner of Cure, and now running for... Um, for House district, seat, yeah, district, district, district yeah. sixty yeah. in Lewiston, yeah. and then also uh, Dawson, Dawson Julia, who's cannabis activist. We've had you on before. Yeah, um, man, thanks for having me back, yeah. guys. <laughs> thanks, thanks for, for both of you for coming on. Thanks, guys. Yeah, happy to be here. So, um, I think uh, I don't know if Carrie wanted to dive in with anything right away, but something that I normally like to start out with is just going into like the background of kind of both of you. I know Dawson, we touched upon you last time on the first podcast, so. We'll kind of go a little bit more into you, John, just uh, just your background, the state of Maine and, you know, uh, and maybe the background in cannabis and stuff like that and how you kind of, you know, how, what has led you to the political path that you have now. Sure, that'd be great. Um, I moved here to Maine when I was like 14 years old, many, many years ago, and my folks bought a store, so on a lake, beautiful Lake Thompson Lake, and uh, so I, I worked there for, for my young life, and then I uh, headed out into the service, and then I got into the construction industry, and and had a family and, and ended up moving to uh, Auburn back in 92, I think it was. So uh, I've been part of the community for a while. And, yeah, uh, you've been um, immersed here. You had a business, uh, you have a business still. Oh yeah, yeah, we have two businesses. We have a construction business, general <coughs> contracting, and we have a weatherization firm. And then of course we have Cure Cannabis uh, in Auburn on Riverside Drive. You guys were one of the first uh, storefronts in the Lewiston Auburn area, were you not? Yes, we were, yeah. Was yeah. that in 16 or 17? Yeah, I think it was seven, 17, and I think at the time there was maybe three, mm-hmm. besides the uh, dispensary. Like uh, Cure Leaf or yeah, one, whatever it might have been called uh, at the time. I even forgot what it was before that. But, yeah, still one large entity. Right. Um, yeah, it was getting it. You've remedy, lived in Lewiston for um, on, or coming on 30 years or so? Yeah, yeah, just about 30 years, yeah. I've, I've spent a little bit of time, like five or six years in Auburn, and I've been in Lewiston ever since. Yeah, I love it here. I love the people. I, you know, I've, I've been involved in quite a bit of the of the uh, fundraising for certain things and stuff. And uh, you've been very active in the community. So going into politics is a direction that just made sense of uh, timely for this year. This, I want to say, back in January, February of this year, we were talking because I was over at Care for a little while. You said you were thinking about getting into the political um, playing ground. Right, right. What was your motivation then? What were you thinking? Well, it's kind of funny because some friends and I were out having breakfast, and uh, I had some free time, so we were just hanging out, and like three hours went by. Mm-hmm. And in three hours, all we did was complain about the way things are being run, the way, you know, how they screwed up the cannabis industry, how the states, you know, they, the inadequate services for people, and, you know, and the, and the, and the whole... Uh, People in the community who are not as well off or right, dependent, yeah, people in, people city in need. dependent, state Yeah, dependent. people in need and how there's a culture now of, of uh, just dislike and hate, I should say. It is, it is hate. People hate people that are, you know, it's easy to kick somebody when they're down, unfortunately. And until we get back on track the way we used to be, you know, we need people up there that are going to, you know, and, and stop the, the uh, us and them thing and be more us. You know, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the sides of the, 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 Line in the sand is drawn too deep, mm-hmm. you know. So. Yeah, it's either you have to be on one side or the other. Right. And you're not that kind of person. You're kind of more in the middle leaning or, or, or more moderate. Yeah, I'm views. very moderate. As a Republican, people, 
actually, uh, I get a lot of support from Democrats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Well, you've made many friends in the community, anyways, have you not? So yeah. I mean, you're yeah, going to, you know, I mean, if uh, one of the things I think you have to be is you have to be good business minded first and foremost, and, right. and uh, you've been around, you've been. Uh, You've been an uh, active part and, and done uh, a lot of residential as well as commercial work. Yeah. I mean, uh, you don't do that for a long period of time if you're not an honorable person or good to work with. or, or Well, you know how to work with people, too. You have That's to. the biggest thing. Well, you, you check know. a lot of boxes, I think, honestly, too. Just at a quick glance here uh, of your Facebook page, obviously, you know, I mean, like you're a Republican, you uh, own quite a few businesses, you're also, you, but you're heavy into donating into, you know, kind of like the poor and the needy. You've clearly helped with a lot of the, like, that soup kitchen and the that food pantry that I definitely want to touch upon also in a little bit. Also, too, you've been really big about promoting absentee ballots and stuff like that. So I think you're pushing a lot of things on both platforms, which makes you a really desirable candidate, especially in a time right now where it's everything's so polarized. It's like, you know, if you believe right. in this, you can't believe in that. You know, so it's good. And I think it's a good representation of the people of Maine because... That's kind of how the people of Maine are, you know. Even in polarizing times, there's we still have a like, you know, we share still share some common goals and some. Uh, right. You know, I mean, the state of Maine is just like a that. giant family. If you break it down, I mean, they help right. everybody out, and uh, they're they're different from the rest of the state. You know. Somebody who's the, rest uh, of the country. So Dawson, how'd you guys end up meeting? Who reached out to who, or when, or and how long has it been that you guys have known each other? Has it well, been since you got involved in cannabis, uh, John? I, I think I'll let kind, you go. Yeah, I think it kind of started when <laughs> sure. I, we, started, we started suing the state. So like, uh, <laughs> hey, I can get behind that. Oh, that was wow. another check I sent. That's right <laughs> now. Yes, yes, yes. It was like, uh, I don't know, whenever this, this lawsuit thing started, um, that's, oh, I, I kind of jumped on Instagram and everything kind of took off all at once. And, and that's kind of when I met up with um, Cure, Cure Cannabis and, and John and his son and... Uh, and, you know, it just, was, when I found out he was running for house, I was like, oh, this is dream come true. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's, it's something much needed. My, my wife ran for Senate uh, a couple years ago, and we tried to do it, but it was, it was a really strong seat that was tough to beat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. The incumbent had and been there yeah, quite a while. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of work running, running for office. I can, oh, yeah. I can definitely vouch for that. So, it's a full-time job. So for someone like listening that may say like, well, what is this? Why is this important? You know, or what is this relative to me? Can you tell me like, what is being in the house, house district 60, what impact and what change can you make for people? And why is it important that someone goes out and even pays attention to who's on that ballot? You know, especially yeah. you where everyone seems to just be concerned about like who's, who's going to be the president. Right. Well, I think that, like I said, the biggest problem that they have up there is that there's such a, a dividing line. And, uh, one thing I've learned, you know, in business in the 30-some-odd years I've been doing it is that uh, people have to have a vested interest. Your employees, um, they need to have uh, some type of control. They need to be able to have their voices heard. They need to uh, show their ideas. And, you know, there's no such thing as a bad idea. There's bad parts of ideas, but there's not a bad idea. So until we send people up to Augusta that are willing to reach across the aisle and say, well, I don't agree with this part of your idea, but I like this part, and put it all together. And then everybody's got a vested interest. Everybody feels like they're being respected and they're, and they're going to actually make a difference. And I think that's one of the biggest downfalls of uh, the political scene in, in Augusta right now is that it's just, like I said, my way or the highway. That's it. That's, it's, you know, everybody gets, every party has a predetermined decision. opinion. A decision, yeah. opinion. And you have to just march to that tune. If not, 
you're in trouble up there. And I know people that, that are up there now, and they're like, well, you know, you got to be careful. If you get elected and you go up there, you know, you want to rock the boat. And I said, well, I'm, that's the first thing I want to do. <laughs> yeah. And, and in, a nice, in, a, in a nice way, no, I'm not going to go up there and insult people like they do, you know, and mm -hmm. drag people through the dirt and come up with petty things and stuff. But just, you know, do it in a, an honorable and a respectful way and just say, hey, come on, let's get together. We're working for the people of the state of Maine. I'm not working for big I business. I think that gets lost, doesn't it? Especially oh, with incumbency, where we start turning towards eight to ten plus years of being in the same right. same position, or probably not in the same position. You've probably elevated in politics because that's the path that's taken you to. You deal with people up on the Augusta scene a lot, Dawson. Yeah, I do. And How I'll, many have been there for forever, it feels like? Well, there's John Martin. He's got the world's record, I think. He's been there for like <laughs> yeah. literally like 45 years. Wow, like that. I didn't know John was still. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know why I didn't know that. He's the king of the hill, you yeah. could say. I mean, he's, he doesn't really hold a huge He was leadership. when I was young. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I, I think, Holy shit. I think our grandparents had him <laughs> yeah. as a senator or something. But, yeah, they have term limits in Augusta. And it's an eight-year term. Well, it's, it's, you get a two-year term, and you can do that four times in a row. And once you hit that eighth year, you, you're termed out. But the trick is, is once you term out of the House, you plan it mathematically so that the Senate seat, you jump into that one next. Then you ride that for eight years. Then you go back to the House for eight years. And you do that. Mm -hmm. And John Martin's done it I don't know how many times. But, but there's a lot of that going on. And, you know, going back to why is it important to get John elected in District 60 in Lewiston is... John Morrison. John Morrison, of course, <laughs> yes, yes. Not John, thank you for clearing that. Yeah, John's been around enough times. He yeah, needs yeah. to retire. But, no, but we need John Morrison in District 60 because I'll tell you, like, when I first started to go into Augusta in 2013 or so, I was naive. I thought that, you know, they were going to listen to the people and, you know, we, we just have to go down and explain things to them and... And I was sadly mis mistaken when I figured out. It took me a couple of years to figure out how much power these lobbyists have down there. And, 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 it, and it's just stupid because it makes no sense. They ask for the stupidest stuff and they just get it served to them. And, and so it took me like years to figure out what's the motive behind this? Are they getting paid off or is this like a political campaign thing or what in the hell? And, and there's so much of this going on right here in Maine. I thought this was like DC stuff that happened, mm -hmm. you know, and you watch on the news with all the polarization and stuff, but it's going on right here in Maine. Right. And these guys have infiltrated, and it's hard to find a politician that will run for the people. And, and I mean that, I mean like, there's so many politicians that they, cut, they start off with good intentions, and then what happens is they get in there and they get a taste of the fame and they get a taste of the, you know, holy crap, I got power and I'm, my votes, everybody's bugging me to vote whichever way. And then it gets to them. And the next thing you know, they want to be the commissioner of DHHS or something, or they want to do this or do that. And they got a lifetime career in looking out for what's best for their needs and getting paid at the same time. And Meanwhile, people are not getting represented well because they're not looking out for our best interests. They're going to the lobbyists and the, the people that are going to have their future career in mind for them. And that's, and that's what it is. It's a career move. And, and we got to find more people that are genuine, that, that are going in there to, to look after the people and fix things. And, 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 and they're hard to find. But every now and then you get them in Maine, in Augusta, and it's, it's awesome because 
They're the ones that yep. will listen to you. They're the ones that will file the motion to change the bills. And it's write about the identifying allies, isn't it? It really so, is. And right. so in a sense, uh, the, like a lot of other marijuana, and, and I don't want to just be specific on cannabis, but we're talking about that right now and how it's affecting me. And a lot of other states that have already had uh, a medical program and are into rec are starting to fight a lot harder to get representation on their state level, knowing that's where the full impact is going to be. Federal is sort of left it alone as much as I think we're all happy with, mm -hmm. for the right. most part, you know. Yeah. Well, the thing they have to take in consideration is the tax revenue that we're generating for the mm -hmm. state. You know, what do we add? 120 million. It was 111 million in sales for the medical cannabis program last year, and I think it's going to be. I mean, I think it's going to be double that at yeah, least. At least, because our sales have doubled. So at oh, the store, yeah. so there goes the tax, but. Uh, and now we're forced to be reckoned with. They're going to have to stop paying attention to the cannabis industry because, you know, we're bringing in more tax money. We're, we're bringing in blueberries, the clamming exactly. industry. I mean, we're in the top two, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. are they going to recognize it and respect it, or are they going to expose it? Well, if they it? send people up there like myself that are going to go up there and fight and say, listen, you're going to have to stop paying attention to these people. These are constituents. That's... These are people that are generating a huge amount of income for the state. Mm -hmm. You know, it's and time that they get the respect. You know, everybody, uh, other than the the, uh, the dispensaries that are funded by all out-of-state people and millionaires and whatnot, that $120 million was generated by people like myself and my son that laid in bed at night worrying about how we're going to pay the light bill, how we're going to get this done, and the beginning of all of this, you know. We put our life savings and 80-hour weeks into getting a, a, a business started. Mm-hmm. And then now the big companies want to come in and just sweep us under the rug and say, no, that, you know, thanks for all the heavy lifting, but we'll take it from here. Yeah, and, and, and it's really important that people understand this is a huge year for us. For every, every, anybody who has anything to do with cannabis, this and next year is a make it or break it year for, for the little guys. Because what's going on is for the last 10 years, the medical program has had some sort of protections, let's say, because there was a, a limit of eight dispensary licenses. Yep. And then there was this nonprofit thing that went on for like eight years in our program. Dispensaries had to be registered as nonprofit. They had to be residents of Maine. They had to be, you know, there was all these catches to keep those guys tame and, and, and you know, not let them turn into these giant Wall Street conglomerations like what's. Yeah, sure. And those guys are coming now. That's what's going on. The gloves are off. We don't have those protections. We're fighting in court right now for this residency law, but. There's no more of this nonprofit stuff. There's no more limitation of licenses. There's no more, you know, let's face it, full-time corruption's coming, and they're bringing in huge Flight money. Flight gates were open, right. so allowed to open. So they're going to lobby harder than ever this year because they're going to want to make radical changes. And those radical changes are going to be to shut down the little guys any way possible through re regulations, restrictions, fees, fines, taxes, you name it. So we got to balance this shit. <laughs> how many other how many other uh, representatives are there that are, have taken an open um, pro stance on pro cannabis? Are you have you had any kind of data or any any kind of numbers I mean, like that, Dawson? What it comes down to is who's sitting on the committees, and this mm. is another reason why John Morrison is perfect for District 60 in Lewiston because he's a veteran. He owns a cannabis store, a cannabis business, and, and, he, and he fits perfectly for the VLA committee. And the VLA, Veterans and Legal Affairs Committee, that is the committee that has oversight of the adult use uh, program. So John gets in 
Um, hopefully he can get that seat. And then that's going to be a game changer for us because that committee dictates a lot of what the House votes for. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they make the final changes almost norm normally. That's how it works. And then and then the, goes to the House for a vote and then the Senate for a vote and then the governor's desk. So John can be there looking after us, right. making sure they don't slip stuff in, the, you know. That's, the that's other thing the you brought up, too, was that there's a lot of lobbyists that are on these committees. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's troubling it, to me is when uh, we want to sue somebody, like they've tried to, to, to sue the people, and, and the, the uh, district attorney says, well, we don't want to spend the money to do that. We're just going to let it slide. They're just the constant rule bending to the big guys. Exactly. Right? I mean, it's ridiculous, yeah, because yeah. we have a marijuana advisory commission right now that was, it was put together through the adult use bill. OMP? And, is yeah, that what you're recognizing? Well, it, or no, is it a sub of OMP? It's, 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 it's a branch of the legislative, um, it's a subcommittee, I okay. guess is what you'd call it. So yep. they, so the, the governor appoints some of these people, um, the president of the Senate appoints some of them, the Speaker of the House appoints some of them, and everybody is recognized, like we're supposed to have an expert in the industry for, you know, drug abuse. And yep. so we're supposed to have, you know, two senators are supposed to be in this committee and two reps. Well, we were supposed to have four main people, you know, two that were supposed to be directly in the industry mm -hmm. and two that were supposed to be uh, citizens of the public was the definition they said. In those four spots, we got three lobbyists that represent pretty much big cannabis and then we got one guy that w works for a, a big dispensary one of the one of the eight dispensary licenses so there's real there's not one caregiver there's on no that small commission business there's no there's no yeah, patience medical. there's no nothing yeah there's, there's nothing, nothing local and and they screwed us and we made it very loud and clear when they were getting ready to appoint these people hey make sure you get some of us little guys in there we made them know that we were watching and then when they appointed all the lobbyists we freaked out we went down to augusta and protested and brought yep. signs with us and so instead of them working with us they sent down the capitol police to like look over us in the hallway it was so stupid and, it, and i really you know it's another one of those more ugly, as a deterrent intimidation type of thing i i don't i guess so i guess they did i, I like sent this an, is I, as far as it goes i sent i sent an email like three weeks before the protest yep. to the speaker of the house and said let's figure this out because we don't want to have to come down and protest. You know, let's figure out a way to add some more people or do something or remove somebody. And I got, I was got Speaker crickets of the back. House at the time, Sarah Gideon. Or yeah, was, yeah, yeah, it yeah, was right. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> it well, was. I mean, no, and I lost a, a lot of sure. and I lost a lot of respect for her because rather than answering my emails and saying, "Yeah, let's sit down and talk about it," she, I'm assuming it was her who sent down the Capitol Police to oversee our protest and make mm -hmm. us feel like somehow we were doing something wrong when we right. were we were calling them out and and they needed right. to be called out you had know you had a lot dialogue had you had dialogue with sarah before that oh with other bills with other yeah bills, right? yeah she's been and i mean she's i mean the other bill i i i had discussions with her about was um the transplant bill for um they weren't allowed the main hospitals weren't allowing um people who needed organ transplants that were medical marijuana patients they they wouldn't put them on the waiting list and they wouldn't allow them to get organ transplants so we had to make a bill and fight for it and everything and it, it came down to you know Sarah Gideon had to you know, <laughs> help push for it along it was oh, wow. it was a big battle because the pharmaceuticals are in bed with the hospitals they do they both do their dirty work together in Augusta so right. when one side needs something they go to the other side and they both t team up 
and they were fighting hard because they did not want to have to give in and and we won. Yeah. <laughs> we won. Woo. Yeah. You're going to win some battles. You're going to, you're going to have some difficulty and lose some battles. So the, 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 I think the thing that we're hoping for is that we can at least have a fair fight to a certain degree. If we have representation up on the it, same. Right. Level. That's key. That's yeah. what you're looking to do, John impact, right. be the ear, like you were mentioning as right, well. Right. You, you can't have people on the outside looking in. You have to have people on the inside, you know, instead, so, of, instead of, instead of Dawson having to call up or send an email to somebody, we need to have people in there to represent the cannabis exactly. industry. Would you be able to? So uh, that that committee you were citing, Dawson, is uh, governor appointed positions. Uh, some of it is governor. Some of it is from the uh, president of the Senate. Some of it is from um, the speaker of the house. Speaker of the house. So we're so going to have all kind of put people in who they uh, exactly. have some input. Yeah. Now so is that a position, John? You'd be hoping to if elected yeah, so yeah, get into yeah, that. That's a, that's yep. one of my first pieces. And the the person there's a there's going to be an opening in that in that uh, committee commission because uh, Justin Chinette, who's the senator that chairs that commission, he's not running for re-election. So yep. they're going to need a new senator, and I almost think there's a representative that might need to be replaced too because they're terming out. Um, so there's going to be opportunity, some and we're and we're going to try to write a bill. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> we're going to write a bill that says no lobbyists, and it has to be specifically this, this, or this. So basically, remove anybody that doesn't qualify and reappoint new people. So we're going to try right. to kick them out through a bill, and we'll see what happens. I, I almost think the committee is going to go with it because a lot, of, you know, right now the VLA committee and the DHHS committee, which does the VLA. Medical, I'm sorry. Uh, VLA does the adult use. DHHS does medical. And we got a lot of friends on both those committees right now. They, they've heard enough. They've seen enough. The problem is the VLA is getting 75 to 80% or whatever of, the, of their members are terming out or going on to do something else. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be a new mix-up in the adult use. And that's where the big problems are going to come in. That's where the big money with the lobbyists. So we got to have, again, we got to have John Morrison in Right. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's embarrassing that they would actually even appoint lobbyists. It's like the fox is watching the hen house. I mean, it's it's a it, it's, it's a trap. Yeah, there's yeah. Why would you even? There's it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it seems, like, how, seems illegal uh, to me. I mean, it really does. It, yeah, it goes back to the whole thing where you know, I, it's like DC. You know, it's right. like totally it's bought and paid for, and and it's really disgusting to see this going down. And you, you know, I mean, I'm my house is 15 minutes away from Augusta. You know, and right. that's that's it makes it's good because I can go down there a lot. But I'll tell you what, man, you lose a lot of respect for your country and your government when you see this nasty. We've been bought and paid for. By a bunch of lobbyists on every level. Well, you know, and, and the, right. it is kind of. And it's sad every too, industry. Yeah. It's right. not yeah, just yeah. cannabis. Not just, just exclusive to cannabis. cannabis. No, not at all. Yeah, look what CMP's doing to the state right yeah. now. Look at what Poland Spring is doing. Oh, and by the way, Poland Spring, those scumbags, they took a half a million dollars out of our medical marijuana surplus that we had in the marijuana program a couple of years ago. There was a bill. What happened was there was one of these towns over in Western Maine that uh, Poland Spring was pumping water out of. And they and a lot of wells started going dry. Probably people, Freiburg. Pretty yeah, sure I think it was Freiburg. Freiburg, and and people couldn't. There was people that legitimately couldn't afford a new well, and they were screwed. So everybody was looking at Poland Spring, like, hey, you guys sucked all the water up. Get us, get us. You know, you gotta help us out. Well, they went and wrote a bill for a relief fund, and they took a half a million out of our out of our <laughs> surplus and said, here, we'll go fix you guys as wells. And we were like. 
wait a minute, that's Poland Springs mess. They should have to clean that up, you know? And, 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 and this is the level of corruption that's going on in Augusta on a regular basis that needs to be called out. And they squirm when they get called out, you know? Those, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen those politicians squirm before, and, and it's very effective when you call them out. A lot of people are scared, and they think, oh, well, I don't want to upset them or this or that. If they're doing some scumbag techniques, you need to identify that and let them know and put that shit on Facebook or whatever, you know? Write it, write it on one of their comments on one of their posts. You know, make sure you're right about Don't just do assumptions, wild assumptions, but, you know... Go for it, because that's when you hit them, especially in election season, you know. There's been so such a great deal of, um, <clears throat> I don't want to call it secrecy, but with, with COVID, we've all of a sudden identified that we've lost local news or our objectivity or at we've least lost reporting. access to the state house that's we, the yeah lost the state access. the city uh, every level and i can only imagine on a federal level how that is too yeah. but um you know in media there was this uh this idea that with the loss of newspapers we were going to start missing out on corruption and the corruption not on a federal level because there are always newspapers that'll call out but on that local level that city or or town or state level where you know i mean they're i think the way like newspapers or or websites are that are news and media related get their sources get their stories kind of handed to them it's not much i mean the bangor daily news does a pretty good job as far as i could tell going out there and really digging and up actually a doing their bit. job yeah right. digging Most up a little bit just buy and but from my experience here, the report. sun journal does not dig out the stories I, I don't know if they employ anybody as a reporter in the in the sense of what reporting was and right. investigating and looking into they don't really get that involved <clears throat> i've noticed by experience as a candidate don't really get that involved in the community I mean, they're, they're pretty hyped up about selling ads, and I think that's one of the reasons why the Lewiston Sun's about the size of the Reader's Digest and, now. And I mean, I'm, you used to open up the newspaper and your arms would be spread wide, oh, and now oh, it's yeah. like you're looking at a menu at a, at a restaurant, you know what I mean? And, and I'm just going to bring the 800-pound gorilla back in the room Do it. And, 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 and remind everybody that look at our newspapers, who owns them right now? You know, 30 years ago, these were owned by Maine families or whatever that had right, been locals in morning that sent, have to look morning the other sentinel. local in the eye. Exactly, yeah. there was, mm. it was it was family owned and stuff, and they all got bought up by Gannett or whoever. Yeah. I don't know who the I, they, you know they're wheeling and dealing every other year. Oh Somebody's sure, yeah, it changes somebody names, some but shit. it's always just a larger. But yeah, company. it's basically just one gigantic corporation that has an agenda and they have all these assets spread all over the country and so they can manipulate the news any way they see fit. And it, it sucks for the small town, like you said, because right. it's I mean, we, it does. I called them up and said, hey, we're gonna be at the corner of Maine and Lisbon Street raising money for the homeless teenagers with the store next door project. And? Their response was, well, take a picture and send it in. We'll see if we can put it under the community part of the paper. And I'm like, this is a real problem. Mm-hmm. This is 150 children that are living in tents, abandoned buildings, couch surfing, that are trying to complete their education. And they weren't, wasn't that interesting? I so guess. nobody's able to, yeah, you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? You've been working with uh, this, uh, this charitable Yeah, Jamie Collette and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and this another nice lady. They were, I met them. It's funny because, not funny, but um, my sister works with Susan Collins, and she said, you know, if you want to run and, and get elected, you have to reach out to the community, and uh, I would I suggest you go to like the Good Shepherd Food Bank and the homeless shelters, and I said, okay, that'd be great. And, and she mentioned, she knows Jamie, she mentioned her, uh, her her program 
at the high school. And uh, I think I called, I called a ton of people three or four times. And then my, my campaign manager, I said, call them up, you know, whatever. No response at all. So then we got a response from, from Jamie. Mm -hmm. And it was a guarded response. And she was like, well, you know, a lot of people come down here, especially when they're running for office, and they come in and tell us what a great job we're doing, and then they just kind of talk about how they're going to help us, and then they just kind of go off into the sunset. Yep. Won't see them after January. Yeah, right. Sure. So, so I said, well, we're not really like that. I said, you can call up uh, some of our friends in Auburn and stuff. Like, we did a lot for the Bells of St. Louis and, uh, and the, and the, uh, the age-friendly uh, kitchen they have over in Petco Park for senior mm -hmm. citizens. They have a dinner once a week. Oh, nice. I said, but, you know, we're really, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show up, and I'm, and I'm going to help you. So we went there, and uh, we started hearing about everything. And these two ladies are extremely passionate about what they're doing, and they do it for little or nothing, and there's no funding. It's all uh, donation-driven. Mm -hmm. They have a little room down in the basement of the high school. How are they? With, with Who are they shop. contacting? Or, or you, it's done on donation. How do they get the word out? How do people even know? Well, they, they, they do pretty well on the, in, in the internet and social media and stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's some great people in Lewis and Auburn that are willing to step up and help them out. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but they, we couldn't go in because of COVID. But said, so, yeah, we have a little room and we have one shower. So these kids come get up in the morning out of their tent and then go over to the high school, try to get a shower in or whatever. And they give them a, 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 like a backpack or whatnot with like camping gear, mm -hmm. like toothpaste, toothbrush, toilet paper, um, cans of beans, you know, stuff that's easy to prepare when you're camping out and you're, you're a 14-year-old child and you can't go home because your parents are either, you know, drug addicted, abusive, physically, mentally, yep. sexually. Yep. It's you know, a space it, they don't want to be in anymore. Right. They'd so rather they're willing be to go live in the woods, which is very dangerous, mm -hmm. or wherever, or, and, but they still want to get their education because they want to be better. You know, and it's such an injustice that's been done with the city of Lewiston. I mean, they, they, I guess today they're talking about they're finally going to put some money in the budget for them. I mean, the city is? Hopefully. Apparently. But, I mean, you think about it, the school uh, board, zero. I mean, they'll spend $10 million on a sports field, but they won't uh, start up something for these kids. They don't need much. All they're looking for is like a 10-unit apartment building or something where they mm -hmm. can have rooms for these kids to, when they're in crisis. So they're not, you know, running around at 3 o'clock in the morning or whatnot. But I mean, can you imagine being a, a teenager? We all went to high school, yep. and not be able to get washed up and not wear cool sneakers and all of the stuff. You're, you're basically you're, you're, ho you're a homeless person. Can you imagine the, the pressure they get from the kids and the, and the peer pressure and you know the bullying probably and all that stuff? I mean, oh, it's not yeah. easy enough, you know, going through school. That, yeah. that you have to do it Talk out about, of a yeah, knapsack. Well, we think we got problems in the cannabis yeah. industry getting outnumbered by these big guys. Right. Those it, guys. Yeah. Got and then they, they had 17 students last year, um, Jamie was telling me, and 16 of them graduated. That's a yeah, that's really good. And a yeah, dropout rate in success. Lewiston, I believe, I don't have the exact figure, but I'm pretty sure it's quite high. And those are kids that are living at home, playing Xbox, not wanting to do anything, you know. And now you got these kids that are in severe mm. peril. Yeah, you know? you're talking about survival. Right. I mean, we're and this is how we're taking care of them by not taking care of them we're in, right. as a as a yeah. as a community, and that's what th these two ladies you were talking about um, in, in their program. And I know that there are uh, a few other programs mm. that, that do similar. I had a friend of mine who was 
um, working for a group. I think it was a group home, uh, but I, I remember it under a different name, although it eludes me. Right. He said there were, you know, the, they're broken down situations. They're just looking for a fighting chance. Right. And right, uh, putting it in perspective, I mean, yeah, yeah sure. Do like she said, the, the, the parents have a lot of issues with the police, so they don't trust police. You know, don't trust right. adults because they've been hurt by them. You know. Ties into to the benefits that the cannabis industry has provided to the cities, to the states, and that it should be up to the people how the money is allocated. You know, there's more money now in the budget than there was before. And you have this conversation, I think, with a lot of people, and they're like, oh, well, this, this industry is doing better. You know, the pulp industry is doing better. The steel industry is doing better. You know, the agriculture industry is doing better. And it's like, well, why? Like, you know, that's like, I feel like that's, there's like a cause and effect situation, you know? And it's like, yeah, well, I mean, obviously there is, look how hard it is to find space right now. That's like saying, oh, the economy is doing well because the real estate market's booming. Well, yeah, that's because everyone wants to fucking find a grow in a space that allows it. You know, there, there's none of that space available. So by saying that's just a real estate market is just ignoring the fact that really the cannabis industry is what's driving the skyrocket in a lot of industries right now in, in areas that are legalizing it both on a medical and recreational level. And the benefit should really be felt by the community also. Mm-hmm. You know, the excuse shit can no longer be. After this whole, you know, we've seen the whole crisis with the COVID. I think no one's buying the excuse excuse of how we're going to pay for it. It just doesn't, it, that's not an excuse anymore. It's not a viable excuse we've seen, you know, it, it, or it's how we're going to pay for anything, you know, anything that we see, we've seen that the, the federal government has enough money to throw around basically <laughs> to <laughs> anyone Dude, they the want. the game's over. We're up to like, mortgage generations by yeah, doing this. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, no one can buy the excuse anymore of like, oh, like. If you do the numbers, it's something like 80 something grand per citizen is what we owe. The, the minute you're born, you automatically, that's your cut of the national debt. Yeah. That's a fucking joke. I mean, come on. No, it's not getting paid back. Mm-hmm. It, they know it at this point. Right. And there's, they're just going to milk that cow for as long I know. as they that's can. Like, that's a frustrating gig. thing. It's, uh, they'll take out a, it's basically like they'll take out a loaner willing to increase the debt for anything they see fit. Oh, yeah. You know, but right. any any of the social programs or things you want to institute, it's like, well, how's that going to get paid for? The, stim- the stimulus <laughs> package was like, it was like less than like five percent or something went to the people yeah. like the real oh, money yeah. went to the corporations and it's all this bullshit unbelievable. Like, what yeah. do we need three trillion dollars for them for like yeah. and 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 it, yeah it's a big facade and and they're just keeping those print and presses going for as long as it takes until the rest of the world calls it out and says all right guys we can't keep doing this you know <laughs> let's right. shake the game up and we'll start a new game of monopoly yeah. and <laughs> everybody gets 200 bucks uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know it's gonna it's coming i don't yeah. know how Everybody's they're gonna do gonna it 200 bucks. Yeah, we'll go no, back to yeah. go and yeah, go get a, back. Get, to a, get, a, get out of jail over. card. Oh, Cash right. it in. That'll be but, something. But you know, I mean, uh, you know, talking about this homeless thing, like I was just talking to uh, Representative uh, Charlotte Warren yesterday, who's who's the chair of the uh, Public Safety and Criminal Justice Committee, and and she tells me these numbers that she knows right off the top of her head, and it's pretty alarming. I can't believe people don't know this, but. We have one of the lowest, I think the number two or number three lowest crime rate in the country right now. Maine is cranking for violent crimes, I guess. And, right. and, um, but we have one of the highest incarceration amounts in Maine. And it's, it's in the top five and by, by population, you know, down, yeah, yep, obviously. Yep. So, so um, and then she said to me, she goes, you know what everybody's in jail for, Dawson? And I was thinking to myself, well, in Waldo County, everybody goes to jail because they 
didn't pay their fine or their child support or something. So I said something like that. I don't know, unpaid fines. She goes, no. She goes, drugs. And I was like, oh, of course. She said like 75% of the jails and prisons in Maine are drug drug offenses. And, and, And this is a lady that's been driving hard for multiple years to decriminalize cannabis, to make cannabis so that if you have a cannabis crime on your record, clear it out, you know, let's, uh, whatever the word is there. But, um, expunge it. Expunge it, yes, yes. And so, and so she's very adamant that there is huge amounts of waste and the way that we're doing this system is all ass backwards. If we could find a way to help divert these people that have drug issue, you know, substance de- uh, dependency issues and stuff, then, then, you know, that's going to fix a lot of our problems. And we mm-hmm. can redirect that. If we redirect that money out of jail cells and bring it to getting people the therapy they need and the treatments they need. And right. Then it doesn't turn into a yeah, generational thing. But and that's, exactly. that's the problem. It, Same thing with welfare in the state. It's generational. It's a, they, don't, they don't know the difference because they haven't been given any tools to succeed. It, exa- we need to revamp no. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the even if you look at like a national level, I mean, obviously... Man, I don't think has ever been really strict recently in the past decade with cannabis. But if you look at like the other parts of the United States, the back of my uh, of my iPad is this woman, Tamika Drummer. I find her story absolutely like appalling. I think more people should understand it and realize the whole scope of the cannabis situation throughout the United States. Is that uh, this woman? I think if to lay out the scope of the situation, she was 18 or 19. She she got a felony. I think two felonies. I want to say. Um, and, you know, the whole three-strike rule is, is very serious and basically can lock you up for the rest of your life. Well, she ended up getting pulled over, I think it was like with an ounce and a half or something like that of cannabis when she was later in her in her mid-20s. She already had, she knows she had kids at this point. She was a single mother. I think she has three kids. So because of the ounce and a half of cannabis or two ounces or whatever, she has been in prison for the past 18-plus years. She's, in, she's serving a life sentence now for cannabis. Oh. For cannabis. So now the state is now picking up a bill for her three children. They're picking up her bill. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's dudes wow. in the state she was convicted in that have investments all across, you know, the, the intercoastal yeah. 50 yep. that are making money off of cannabis. Wow. And she's serving a license. So there's situations like that, I think, that go on all the time and people don't realize the change that needs to happen across the United States. And really, the we talk about how money is a facade. Money is a facade. The prison system is a big facade. And you start right. to dig more into it. People need to realize, wake up and realize that the, the justice system is not... A just system, you know, it really is not. It's it's all about you know where you're at, what you're doing, and how much you can afford. You it's know? all yeah. It's all about which direction the lobbyist directed us to, because that's how this shit gets so screwed up, you know. And they have lobbyists for everything. The prisons have lobbyists. Mm-hmm. Police have lobbyists. Drug counseling, therapy have. It's mostly a o- opioid addiction. Uh, offenses in, in I would Maine. assume a lot of heroin. I, I would stuff probably, too. yeah. I mean, I don't. I can't know imagine heroin, cannabis is a big thing in Maine mean, for like for filling state prisons in Maine. I can't imagine there's a whole lot to do with cannabis, mm, right? Because no, you, know, you go so down to like, like no. I mean, maybe more in, in the southern states, but Maine's pretty well known for its uh, harder drug addictions, especially in like rural counties, right? Right. Because right. you go down to Augusta and you try to talk common sense, like what we were just talking about. You know, how about if we spend our money in a different way and we rethink this and then the lobbyists come in with like their, usually they got studies and you know all this statistics. They oh call yeah! Them oh, they bring in all this oh, bullshit yeah. science and they start wrapping off their stuff to all their buddies that they've been dealing with for the last ten years in Augusta. And then before you know it, 
the 20 people that just stood up and poured their life story out on the table just got debunked by some bunch of bozos walking around with suits and ties that don't, they don't even know what the hell cannabis looks like, you know, mm -hmm. or anything else. Yeah. And, and, and that's what's going on on a regular basis. And, and they overpower us. It's almost like how a police officer's testimony overpowers the defendant, you know, yeah. like their word is 10 times yeah. worth more than, you know. And so it's like that in Augusta sometimes with the lobbyists. And, and, and it's so difficult to maneuver with these guys. So it takes a lot of people. It takes yeah. a lot of voices. And, and it takes some people on the inside, you know, right. and right. it's so important. I witnessed it firsthand when I went to the Lewiston um, school board meeting when they were trying to get rid of the SROs, the officer friendlies, as I know them as, the okay. police officers in the school. There's a big movement. Like to a get liaison? In yeah, the building, right? Yeah, that, and, and there's the a big movement to get them removed. And I'm thinking to myself, when my kids were in school, they had him, and I was happy to see him. And the kids went up to him, and I mean, everybody. I don't know if you have a bad experience with the police. A lot of times, it's like I'm afraid of the police when I'm driving down the road, and my sticker's out. And I'm like, oh shoot, I'm going to get a, a friggin' ticket. You know? No, I mean, you're yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's gonna. So, but that's when you're afraid because they had some. They had all these people that came up and they said, "Well, uh, my kids are afraid of the police because their parents are afraid of the police." And I'm like, "Well, they're probably doing something wrong," you know. But police are the first people that, and I'm not trying to be 100% police. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, they're human beings and they mm -hmm. do make mistakes. But I mean, that's the first people person people call, especially mm -hmm. the downtown people. Yeah. Uh, you know, when their boyfriend beats them up or whatever, they call the cops. They don't call their dad or their uncle right. or whatever. You know <clears> what I mean? And uh, and the thing is to take them out of the schools. Is absolutely ridiculous. But I watched this guy who uh, is on the planning board or the school board or whatever, and I watched him play the statistic game. Well, in Portland, Oregon, they do this. And right. in New York City, this happens. Well, this is Maine. This is Lewis and Maine. Their yeah, statistics yeah, don't even exactly. match anything. You know That's what I mean? the problem. Is like the, the, Everything is so big. People fail to realize that like it, the United States is massive. And that's why I feel like yeah. a, a lot of like people that come over and visit – what's the one thing that's been crazy about your trip? And they're like, how fucking big this place is. Like I went to one place and it's like, I went to Texas and those people are nothing like you. It went to California. They're nothing like the people in Texas or like you. And that explains a lot. And I feel like the Maine and, and every other state, like, you know, where it's just such a big country, you can't use other areas to like represent what right. we have going on here. And a lot, I, I saw that issue too. And I was actually on the side personally, uh, over like nationally that I think that there is some issues that have to be addressed but I also thought that it has to be addressed geographically in a sense where some states have better relations naturally with police than others do it's just how it is right, you know right. and, and so I think you're, what you're I witnessed right. there was the same thing that Dawson was talking about was that this guy came out with statistics they had two of the police officers came up pleading for their job citizens came up they had a petition. In support of the police officers? Yep, yeah. in support of the police department. And that one guy manipulated the other people on the board, and they said, no, and they were kicking that 70000 It's a $70,000 salary. We'll be able to get health uh, workers in and stuff. They're kicking seventy grand around in the Lewiston school system. I mean, are you out of your mind? Well, it be, wasn't like it was a million dollars. But also, I think would it, if you think about it, if, if someone would have come out like you and would have had that approach of like, yes, listen, police officers are human beings too. They they do wrong. And that I think that the relationship that's here in the Lewiston community is very strong with the, with the, with the officers and the outreach that they have. But I do remember that there was one, I forget the woman who was running, Adri, uh, Adrian um, Bennett, Bennett or something like yeah. that. And she came out, she was very politically right. And I think she skewed the whole issue. She came out with like the support our troops rally in front of the Lewis and high school. And she polarized the issue such to an extent 
where it made the Lewiston High School people feel like, oh, shit. like the board was sitting there like, oh, God, this is political now. Like, if we don't do it, we're on the right side. Like, we're on the right, literal, like, we're on the right. So they, I feel like she almost forced their hand in a sense to make it seem to gaslight her situation even more, which is a very common tactic of politicians. And it's, and that's one reason I really don't support her at all. I think she's a complete stooge (laughs) politically speaking, like a lot of them are. But I think that was the reason that the whole Lewiston thing tanked is that you didn't have anyone that had the voice like you do that came out there and was like, listen, the left isn't right. The right isn't right. Right. But here in Lewiston, Maine, we're doing it right. Well, one of the statistics they had, which was pretty comical, uh, was that, there's never been a police officer in the school that stopped a school shooting. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. It didn't deter it from happening. Well, it's not going to deter it from happening unless you have the whole building surrounded with police. I never you know? thought of that liaison or that police uh, yeah. officer in the so school. So when someone does come to a school, right, but when someone does come into a school and a horrible thing happens and they start shooting people, do you want to rely on the janitor or the gym teacher to uh, try to? Quell the situation down, even get on the phone, call 911. It's going to take him 15 minutes to get there. You know what I mean? You've got to have a police officer there. He's got to But the argument of over policing is real, too, because I experienced it firsthand in high school in situations, and situations, and that's where the, the argument is, is, is enforced by some people, is you think that the situations that happened back in the day don't, have, or don't occur now or occur to more serious. Uh, Serious consequences, I should say. Like back in the day when you people scuffles used to happen, fights used to happen. People sorted it out, and then it kind of that's how that was the natural rhythm of life. Now that's been taken away. If a fight happens, you're looking at assault charges. You're looking at lawyer fees. For Christ's sakes, if a party happens outside of school and the, the girls in the SRO office are watching the Snapchat and he's there, he starts an investigation that's happened multiple times. And so I do see where. Some people have the feeling that there's a major over-policing problem because there is in, in some senses. There is some SRO officers that oftentimes overstep their boundaries. They're no longer a liaison. They're acting as private investigators. And at that point, it, is, it becomes a hassle. I mean, when our, my, my high school was hell because we had an SRO officer that constantly did these private investigations on the kids and little small parties that, you know, never would fly underneath the radar. We're getting busted and kids suspended from sports and people have to hiring lawyers. And this is all from this one overzealous SRO officer. So I do get the argument on both sides. I think sure. it's about, and it's just about accepting, right, like but you it's said. Not a, a there always needs world to be is, oversight. Is, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the over, you know what it is. It's, it's everything that's broken in our government as it is now. It's mm-hmm. the oversight. There's no oversight. Like CMPs buying their way in, Poland Springs. You know, I went through all those examples, and those guys have huge influence, and it's the same thing going on on almost every level. Where, like, let's say, okay, so let's say you. Any industry has bad actors in it. So you got your bad cops and you got your good cops. Well, the, the, right. the failure breakdown that I see right now is the good cops are watching the bad cops do stupid shit, and rather than call them out and do what they probably should be doing since they took that oath, they're instead lying in police reports and covering their ass and manipulating evidence and shit. And we see it regularly happen. And those are the bad actors in that industry. And now you go to the cannabis industry or the medical industry or somewhere else, and you've got bad actors in every industry. Mm-hmm. And if you're working for a bad actor, let's say some big paper company, and, there's, and they are taking truckloads of chemicals that they are supposedly you know, taking care of properly in, in, a, in a proper sanitation system or whatever, and they're just dumping it in a river somewhere. Your obligation is to call those bastards out. You mm-hmm. know, you don't sit back. I mean, I, you want to call it narkin, call it narkin, but they are destroying 
and they are profiting off that destruction. And it's the same thing that's going on in every industry in this in this country, really. You know, and it's what we're it's we're de we're dealing with this corruption crap. The police are dealing with the corruption level. The the water companies, the paper, everybody's got corruption. And it's about calling this shit out and cleaning up the bullshit. And yeah. you know, well, I think the problem too, is a lot of it is you, you know, Louis the Maine, if you think about it. Not a lot of headlines about police brutality and stuff. When they had the Black Lives Matter thing, they marched with them. And I talked to some of the guys from Black Lives Matter. And I said, it was great. They let them lay down. There was a really good representation. It was here. great. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and went, that's, that's what Lewiston's all about. You know what I mean? Yep. So, and a police overworked. Yeah, I know, a couple of, I know quite a few guys that are cops, and I've talked to them over the years. And they have to work like 70 hours a week to make ends meet. They don't pay them crap. Mm -hmm. So they're riding around in their car. I mean, and if you think about it, I mean... I'm not crapping on firemen, but I mean the firemen are making chili in the in the house. You, you don't see fire trucks buzzing up and down There's the street. There's moments of action. Yeah, right. Right, but right. I'm, right. But yeah. I'm saying these guys are out there and and witnessing things and and really you know and yeah there are bad guys, but I think as a whole there's some good guys. But I think what they need to do is they need to raise their wages and they need to raise uh, awareness and more training for them so they can handle these situations because they are human beings. Right. You know we don't know what they go through every day when they. Right. I mean I had a, one friend of mine. Some guy beat up his girlfriend. I said, you couldn't even, he said, you couldn't even tell what she was. She was just destroyed. Oh. And he went to go arrest him, and the guy stabbed him. Oh. Right? He ended up getting, he ended up getting off of the force, you know, they put him, whatever they call it, longer than the guy was in jail. Mm. At, 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 you know, and he couldn't work his overtime pay, so he was just getting a straight pay. The guy was financially strapped because he had like a 90-day suspension with pay to, for an investigation or whatever it was. Right. Wow. You know? So, it's, I mean, you, it, it goes both ways. I mean, uh, you know. I, I think, uh, yeah, we, we talk about, you know, speaking in absolutes is just never a good thing uh, as far as, you know, uh, um, with some of the stuff you were saying as far as never believing in one thing or always aligning with a political party uh, all the time. It's good to try to see the truth and be in the middle on some stuff, and it's one thing that I think both of you guys have really tried to do. Um, and some things we want to talk about later on. We'll hop off, take a little quick break, and sure. come back on and touch on some of those things. Yeah. Want to grab something to eat real quick? Yeah. Okay. I guess. Yeah, I, wish, yeah, I, wish people, I wish we could do a redo, you know, because there's ways to get this money in Maine. And, like, SCORE, <clears throat> right in Portland, this, this, it's a federal program that's called SCORE, and it's a bunch of people that are mostly retired and now they're angel investors. Mm -hmm. And so you go, and, and, and they're basically people that, you know, they're not in the business anymore, but they're going crazy because they got to keep themselves busy every day. So they're happy to help, and they volunteer their time. Right. And you go in, and they teach you classes, and they teach you tricks about how to set up a business plan and how to make, you know. I've been, I've been to school. Oh, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it's they, fucking awesome. And, I, had, and, I had issues and, with my insulation and they, company. And they know all the fucking local gurus that got the $10 million houses down on the coast of Maine that are, that are right just like them. So if, they don't, if they're not interested in what you're talking about, they can help point you in the right direction to somebody that that's up their alley. And... and and so the guy that was training me and my friend, we went to this like eight years ago when we were first thinking about getting in the cannabis business. Or it was, I guess it was 10 years ago. And, and it was the coolest thing because it was right when Kodak was going, it was going to hell because the internet screwed everything up and the digital cameras and shit. And this guy was part of the busted up Kodak thing. And he was like the former CFO or something. He was right ranked up there, the top three or four. 
and he was our instructor. He was teaching us all this shit, how to do business plans and stuff, and it was, it was really cool. And yeah. like, I don't think a lot of people in Maine realize about these things, but you know, there's there's ways to get that money right in Maine, and whatever and your venture going forward would be. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But they they do an incredible job because um, I use them when I was I had. A, my business exploded in the weatherization, and I was having some growing pains. And a friend of mine said, uh, well, go down to the score, man. Those guys will help you out. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to some old guy tell me <laughs> yeah, about those old war stories. And I'll tell you, they were the most non-judgmental. They'd seen it all before. They would ask the real questions. Well, you know, how do you do this, and why do you do that? And, you know, and, and they, they really, I think, kind of saved my business because the guy, and the guy was dynamite. I see him on the street today, and I always say, man, thanks so much. Made such a big difference, and he so ran a people... giant roofing company for years, and you know he's retired. Same thing, and like you said, they get so excited when you talk to them too, man. I mean, they're pumped oh, up. Yeah. Oh okay, yeah. If you tell me I have a problem, they're like excited, so now they can because they can yeah, help they you solve loved, it. Yeah, yeah, they love. They don't to like solve look the down problems. their nose because I always said, well, I don't want to go there and get intimidated by some dude that's a multimillionaire, and I'm just scratching by, and you know. But no, they're really. Cool and I people. remember there was some lady there that was there, and like I said, this was like ten years ago, and her fucking idea was. Well, she was already doing it. She was on a small business plan thing, and she wanted to take it to the next level. And she was making vegan, gluten-free baked goods. And I remember me and my friend were looking at her going, what the fuck is this crazy girl? <laughs> Who the hell is going to eat right. that shit? You know? And we're thinking, she's crazy. She's lost her mind. Like, we got the right idea. We're going with cannabis. And now I'm in hindsight looking back going, holy fuck, that girl nailed it, man. She knew exactly <laughs> what was coming out. Should have went gluten, damn it. Yeah, you now know? I'm like, it, and she's got this big fucking gluten-free company now, and I can't remember what it's called, but I've seen it in the news. Like, still more, local or yeah, it's right here in Maine, awesome. and it's I'm trying to remember what it's called, but she, it was it was pretty cool, you know. And but um, do they want to be known? Is it something where a lot of people are able to use them? You have to be proactive if you're going to to you have to, to score. Go, yeah, to um, score. They're just there. All you do is call yeah. them up. They're part of the Chamber of Commerce on Main on uh, Lisbon Street, right here in town. Yeah, it's like yeah. a free service. Yeah, you just I call mean, them up. Yeah, you show yeah. up, they give you all kinds yeah. of pamphlets. And then they'll ask you, well, what kind of business are you in? Yeah. Which must have been tough when you did it because they probably said, oh, we don't have any former weed growers. Yeah. Well, we do, but they're all <laughs> We're in with jail. the federal government. <laughs> yeah. We get yeah, funds yeah. from the feds. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. pretend yeah. you didn't say that part. Let's, yeah. let's think well, of a new business plan. But no, they do. They ask you, well, what you plan? Plan? what's your plan? What are you trying to do? What are you in business for? And they go, oh, yeah, you know, Bill did this or Betty did this or whoever it is. You know what I mean? They match you right up. It's funny that uh, Dawson said that. What do you, or you guys are just talking about it? Um, they went at this point. Pro, they'd be more accepting of it, but there was nobody who was guiding you back then. Nobody who wanted to take that op- risk into cannabis. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. Ten, yeah. eight, ten years ago. I mean, you had to right. kind of whatever you were going to build up at the point. You were gonna. The vision was all yours. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. No, no, no. I mean, I know when Johnny and I first started, which must be seven or eight years ago, we started, like a lot of people, in a tent yeah. in the basement. Oh, yeah. And my girlfriend at the time came home, and she says, what are you guys doing down here? <laughs> and I said, we're growing <laughs> weed. And she's like, get it out of the house and stuff. <laughs> and uh, then we graduated to half of the two-car garage. There you go. Oh, you know? yeah. Moving and, up. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's and, where uh, I started. But we didn't, yeah, and we didn't have anybody to really show us. I mean, we had a few friends and stuff and whatnot, yeah. but... There's nothing. No, there's really nothing. No resource out it was, there. It was weird. You know, now they have people that'll you know. My help f- I, when I first started, a lot more knowledge to it too. Now. Yeah. Yeah. When I first started, we I, I was growing in my garage, and we live on this dirt road that's like a dead end dirt road, 
I mean, there's like only three houses further down the road from me. And every time a car would drive down, I'd be looking out my window like, is it the cops? Who the hell is it? What the hell is going on Well, I had the same here? thing with Johnny. I was petrified. Oh, for the first two or three years, I was I was horrified. I had this piece of paper that said I could grow weed, but I just was convinced it's it's fake. You know, it's just they're setting right. me up. They're going to come yep, shut yep. my shit down any day now. Yeah, they started this project just yeah, so they could yeah, bust right. us. Yeah, they yeah, wanted yeah. to bust yeah, right. us. So, so I was never comfortable. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, one day, my friend calls me up and he goes... Who did my, my friend who used to be my patient, he goes, Dawson, I just signed up to be a caregiver. I go, oh, cool. And he was going to grow in this huge warehouse in Farmington. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At, uh, I forget what the name of the address is, but it was basically... You're worried about your small location. This guy's putting it right he, out yeah, there. Yeah, and all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, what? There's, how big is this place? And how many... There's like eight caregivers in one building? And I was like, holy shit. And I watched him do that for like a year or so. And I was like, this was about 2013, early. And I was like, okay, screw this. I'm going to get a warehouse. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how this works, but I'm getting one. And then I went to Unity, and I bought a warehouse. And my plan was we were going to chop it up, and we were going to rent it out like little apartments. And, you know, everybody was going to make money. And, and then I decided, how the hell are we going to sell all this weed? Like, we can grow shit tons of it. It'll be great. It'll be worth money. But I'm not going to be able to find 100 50 patients to sell all this crap to. Yeah. So then I decided, well, shit, I'll just make a store and I'll just sell it right here. I'll just never have more than five patients. So I called up my lawyer, who was Mark Dion at the time. <laughs> I told him a new plan. New plan. He goes, what? He goes, uh, no, Dawson, no, no, we can't do that. And then one thing led to another and he fired me. And then I as started, a as a client, he fired me. He said he was going <laughs> to give me back my, my uh, restitution, not my re uh, retainer. retainer. And then um, and then I'd have to go find another lawyer. So oh, I was you like. You know, that's when things are rough. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I was no, like, take this back. shit, we I was on my that. own after that. I'm like, holy shit, I made a few phone calls. And I was like, I guess I'm on my own. But, um, but uh, it was. Um, it was a big the warehouse thing is really battle. what broke me out of my garage. Yeah. Seeing my friend do it and get away with it, and then and then, well, I mean, he was literally following the law. I mean, he wasn't, but at the same time, he was doing it on a much bigger level, and everybody else was like in their garages or in their closets or something or their basements, growing five or six plants, and so. That's when I came out of the woodwork, and then everything went crazy after that. Yeah, yeah, it has. No, it's, it's gone to start straight Now forward. it's more structured, and we finally got a defined way to do this stuff that's illegal, and you know, it gives us an opportunity to build our businesses without having to jump through a hundred thousand loopholes trying to find a way to do it legal. Now we can just, but that's going to be a problem this year because they're going to they're going to try to make that so it's more and more difficult until it's almost impossible. And that's when... To operate as a small... Exactly. Right, you know, business. everybody out. That's the whole game plan right there. Yeah. <clears throat> Just like we were talking about the banking. Mm -hmm. You know, we have Seaport as a bank. Yep. That's it. And, and they yeah. charge us... I mean, it's it's they charge us to process our cash, which is insane to me. It is. It's crazy. You know, I mean, How so? So uh, Well, it's a certain percentage. If you, if you deposit a half a million dollars, they charge you... Eight or nine hundred—I don't know exactly what the thing is. But, yeah, right. You know, they, they prorate it over the year or whatever. But every—it's a fee, just like a banking fee. 
Insane. Yeah, the kind of thing that you shouldn't but have to be operating. No, under. you wouldn't think if you're bringing cash into a place. You know, that's you how make banks make their money. The more right. depositors they have, well, they it is they, a credit they, union, they, yes. Yeah, they're a credit union, but oh, right, right. But so they, they do operate, operate, they operate differently. like a bank. Like they won't, you can't. Um, well, no, them we introducing some, them, some like can. a fee like that, or or really working at a higher percentage <laughs> seems anti-credit union like. Right, exactly. In its actions. Yeah, exactly. They've yeah. always been, uh, I think, yeah, knowing that they were it's like going a money laundering fee, basically. <laughs> I mean, because the other banks won't take it. You but said we, it. We'll take you. Yeah, we'll take your money <laughs> for a fee. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not just going to take it. No, yeah. I know. It's funny. And, the, and that's not a standard practice. That shouldn't be. Not if you're inviting business. Right. But they know right. they're the only show. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but. Okay, so you. Um, we wanted to talk small business. Yeah. Small business and the accessibility for financing for small business, especially in like the communities uh, throughout Maine, Lewis and Auburn in particular. Yeah, well, that's been one of the biggest problems. That's another reason why I'm running is that <laughs> as a small business person, it's tough to get money, and you can only hit up uh, mom and dad and your rich uncle so many times or whatever if you want to really yeah. grow your business. Yeah. And uh, there are opportunities, but they're masked behind red tape and regulation after regulation, and and uh, they need more accessible small business. Where if someone has an idea, you know, they, they should be able to give them some type of funding to just at least get the idea off the ground. Yeah, to be able to explore, to see that, how. Yeah, yeah right, these. exactly. You know, and. Uh, it seems like they everybody goes on about how small business is the backbone of the country, but small business basically gets the bone, and there isn't a lot of meat left on it. The big corporations they get all the sweetheart deals and all the tax breaks and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing we were going to talk about, like the landlords and stuff in town. You know, they, they run up against tough times because they have all this federal housing that's popping up everywhere, but they're not getting tax breaks. They're not getting grants. They there are some available, but try to go find one. You know, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll figure out how you're going to get that. But they need to make that more of an even playing field for those guys where they can get some of that money to improve their buildings and make their life better for everybody. And, you know, you got a lot of these old Lewiston families that have been, you know, working in the mill and then saving their money and then buying a building and until they can pass it down to their kids or that's their retirement and stuff like that. And they're getting all squeezed out by a lot of these, uh, these bigger wow. corporations that come in here. How, how could, how could um, small business be treated, or, or is it something where small business could endure at the level it's at now, in a taxation sense, mm -hmm. as long as it was passed along as or protected to a greater degree than what uh, the, all the loopholes all that uh, larger corporations are given well, continually? Well, right. Well, the it biggest, doesn't invite right, well, people. The biggest thing is we pay, small business pays the most in taxes. Mm -hmm. They pay the most in insurance. They pay the most in cost of goods, and that's not fair because. 75% of this country is small business. So yeah. you would think that they would have insurance-wise, they say, oh, you're a small business, come join the other 75% of the businesses, right. and we're going to drive your rates down. But they don't. They just, you know, it's like the con we're like a convenience, convenience store shopper. Mm -hmm. It's like the guy that goes to the Big Apple to get his weekly groceries. Right. You know what I mean? How could... how. How does Maine fight for, as a state, on a state level, fight for small businesses? Or, and where are they falling short? And maybe where, where could they make an adjustment to, to be better, uh, a better uh, working partner with small businesses? Right. Well, would it be tax breaks? or, or Tax breaks are huge. Yep. The taxes are killing everybody in, in small business. You know, um, and just the accessibility of financing. You know, if you go to a, a, a bank as a small business, you're not going to get a, a lower uh, lower income interest rate. You know, you're going to pay the, the top amount. 
even uh, to cap agencies in town because we, we did some financing with the local cap agency. I won't mention her name. 10%. I mean, I could have gone to the hard money guy down the street and not filled out any papers for an extra 2% or whatever, whatever them, those guys get, you know what I mean? So it's pretty amazing. It's like, and they're getting free money from the federal government to, to subsidize the small businesses. But they're getting 10% interest instead of one or two or, or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're there's a lot of work back. that needs to be done, mm -hmm. you know, to, to try to get small business and to get the cannabis industry to the point where they can go out and get financing. I mean, right. the state's willing to take our tax money. They're willing to, you know, we're should, send, we all have employees. We all have workers' comp. We pay all the matching FICA and all the Social Security, and we, we do everything like any other business. Yeah, we should we should have an opportunity. We're being discriminated against. We should have an opportunity. They should have a, a, a business loan program for the cannabis uh, industry until the feds get their crap together right. and the banks get right. set exactly. it up on a state level or yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah. we're doing 111 million dollars in sales last year seems as though they could kick aside a little of that money and start a fund that that doesn't even cost the government anything it's, it's just a loan system where Do me or john could go apply as a caregiver oh qualify true. Yeah, for a certain right. percent of those funds based on everything and then and now we repay that loan with a little bit of interest, maybe, or maybe it's interest-free to make it easier for the little guy. And then, you know, at the end of the day, we everybody's happy, and somebody else gets to borrow that money that I just repaid. Right. And, and and it's the thing it does with the uh, with um, the economy. I mean, think about all of the money that all of us growers have spent on electricians, oh yeah, plumbers, carpenters, oh, yeah. concrete guys, lighting. Um, it's it's amazing. I mean, I know a lot of guys that are small uh, contractors, and they said their business is great because of the of the me medical marijuana business. But of the because, oh yeah, because oh, I mean, mm -hmm. it's like oh yeah, all I do is grow room after grow room. Yeah, I'm, I'm crushing <laughs> it, man. I gotta go to this guy. Got a heat pump, yeah. people. Yeah, and those are high, and, and, but it's all trickles down because the heat pump guy, if he's doing a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, grow rooms, now he's hiring more people. Right. So people are getting employed. Yeah. So it's, it was, I mean, we're I don't know how you could get the data, but I. If they could figure out the impact that marijuana has on a state, just employment-wise. The guy who sells the scales, one of these guys that has his own business that's been selling scales for a living, state-certified scales, was literally getting ready to close his shop. And all of a sudden, literally the state of Maine just started issuing this thing, OMP, mm -hmm. where they wanted everybody to start having certified scales. And this guy is killing it now. It's been like, I don't know what it's been, like six or seven or eight months or something. And it literally turned his whole business around. He was getting mm -hmm. ready to close the shop up. Yeah. And now he, he can't keep up with it. Could, and What a ride, though. What, I mean, what that's a, so What a crazy so concept, bad. huh? Yeah. <laughs> Emotional. I got them. I got them. <laughs> Come the on. Family. Right, yeah. Marijuana saved the state we of Maine. We got the family house still. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think. I think people's opinions of marijuana or cannabis, I guess I should say, is are, they're starting. You know, we're in that transition phase where I think people are starting to reevaluate the whole situation and realize, okay, you know what, this whole, this whole um, bias, you know, just Pro stereotypical view. Well, of I think there needs to be a campaign too to educate the public. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I agree. You know. You don't yeah. like you don't like pot. Well, you don't. Then you don't like that hundred and seventy-five million dollars that we just right, gave you right. this year. You know what I mean? Look at alcohol and there's other things that they've having, caused a lot bigger. Having problems. a chance to have a say in where that money gets allocated after that's being collected off of right. 
and, and, and investing into yeah, areas that... thing that's kind of a stickler is that you've got these other communities that they don't want cannabis in their communities, but they're going to have their handout for that 100 and $200 million, you know that. Right, you know exactly. What I mean? But cities like Auburn and Lewiston that have embraced it... Exactly. Would, ...had enough foresight to say, wait a minute, this is, I mean, this is a huge moneymaker for these cities. Huge. Yeah. It's, and it's in and the idea that there's no available warehousing in the city anymore, where there was a, a huge glut of... I remember talking to one of the uh, inspectors, uh, city inspectors, uh, city code enforcement, and uh, Tom. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he said he had never seen anything like he had since uh, cannabis was right. had it's, come it's into this area. Any He'd been around for a while. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's bigger than if like, the GE came to town or something like that. Yeah. They grabbed one big building, but we're talking about... You can't find a place. I mean, I have a friend of mine that just sold a building for a, a lot of money, and the only reason why he got his money is because a guy from cannabis bought it. It is very <clears> fragile. <throat> We're at a point where we need to guide it and kind of give it a chance to reinvest yeah, it's very in the fragile. community. Because if yeah. we don't take, uh, if we don't, uh, you know, seize this moment with how we can alter policy or or right. change our communities to the right. way we want, right. even right. through some sort of. Uh, it's yeah it's very influence on the driving. state level yeah if we don't have guys, that we're gonna lose this you know this is a money push yeah and right. uh, oh, if yeah. it needs new policy they're not gonna come up with that money any old spot you right. need to have them and we the, need to force the thing them is if that. once these superstores come into town with all of these no well, it's gonna be know, a different yeah. battle you know, too they're gonna you know yeah. wellness and all these guys they're not gonna be going to these small dudes to process their their stuff they're gonna have yeah. it all down in new jersey somewhere just like the you know, I mean, you, no one knows CBD more than you do. I mean, you, you've seen how that's played oh, out. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got oh, gas yeah, station true. CBD and, you know, I mean, it's right. just... Oh, so know, many different, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, and it's just, it's that a was snake oil. But these guys aren't going <laughs> to be doing work. The gas station. You know, they don't have the pure and the right stuff like you do. But, I mean, it, we're going to have these people... That are it be didn't much work. matter because it was so, so fucking accessible for right, them right. and so watered down. Right. It was such a punch to the face to what CBD is when it when it came out right. when it was in those locations those spots. Right. It felt right. like such an intrusion, and it happened really quick and really fast. And it's almost like it has to save its reputation for those who don't know it and or bought that stuff. And now they're like, "Yeah, I'm all set. Right, Didn't right, do anything right. for me." They don't know that difference. And right. you're right; it is about the outreach. It's about how are we going to? COVID's really kind of squashed it, it in a sense. I, I think the cannabis community still gotten together here and there. We still have had opportunities and chances. Right, to. but we haven't gotten together like we used to. But, no, we haven't, and we haven't. And how are we bridging with our communities directly? Those who aren't going to be consumers, but we want them to know that hey, we want to be a part of where you right, live as right. well. well we're not most guys in cannabis. I mean, my phone was just ringing, and it was a councilman from Auburn. I know he wants us to help help on some project and whatnot. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, consulting in a sense for, well, no, for just helping, helping out, out, like donating or putting time in to help, you know, something for the elderly or whatever. Yep. And uh, and it's funny because I spoke with somebody in Lewiston and I said, well, you know, we want to do this and that. And he goes, wow, it seems like all of you cannabis guys, he says, I don't know if it's just a sales pitch. He says, but it seems like all of you cannabis guys actually want to help the community. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's not a sales pitch. pitch. It's the way we feel about things. Right. It's a whole different culture. I think it's a, and you see it. You just want to you, be accepted. Right. But when you go and fight against the, the big guys, you notice, because a lot of my friends will say, well, you guys don't have a chance because look at when Walmart came to town and then uh, all the small hardware stores rolled up, you know, and, and they devastate Main Street. 
Right. Oh, yeah. But cannabis people are a whole different animal. It's, they're, they're not going to go to the wellness connection to save, a, you know, 17 cents on a cartridge. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like people do when they go to Walmart. Exactly. You know, right? exactly. So, I mean, I think that we have a really good chance to, to with, your, with your hard work, that's for sure. Right. And uh, I think we have a really good chance of beating up on those guys. I really do. Not to, yeah, we're off topic, but that's <clears throat> no, no. We're on topic always, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like this will be what the thing is going to be next year. I'll give some examples of what's coming around the corner. They're going to have super budget issues, so the supplemental bill that they're going to give us is going to have tax increases and things like that in different departments. And one of them, from what I'm hearing, is going to be medical marijuana. They're going to want to bring it up to the same levels as adult use. On the so taxation generate, level? Yeah, they're gonna try to do s some. And so what we need to do is we need to get in there and judo flip that shit and send, send it in another direction. Because what they're basically saying is, let's raise the price of the product so we can generate more money. And, and the, the goal is let's generate more, more money so we can pay off this budget. So if we raise the price, you know, we're obviously going to lose out on some of the sales. It's not mm -hmm. going to increase sales. It's going to slow it down. You might get a little more than you used to get for those sales, but who knows how that's going to end up. But instead of doing that, we all had inventory problems this year, supply and demand issues as caregivers for the mm -hmm. most part. Mm -hmm. Instead of raising taxes, raise the plant count because that's the real fix right there. We get double the plant count or triple the plant count. We pay double or triple the fees for those cards, just like we would for any other plants. And then and then we can generate the, that two or three times tax revenue that, that's the ultimate goal that they're looking to do. And, 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 and not only that, but when we do it this way... Would you be happy with trading ta uh, the, a new tax bracket for the openness of how you could uh, expand out a grow or expand out a, a what you're cultivating? To yeah, make it a little bit I more mean, cost well, no, I mean, I wouldn't, no, no, I mean, as far as a new tax bracket, I don't think there should be a new tax. No, I think not we, at all. We, we keep it at 5.5% because they're going to want, let's say they want to bring it up to 10% or maybe mm -hmm. they bring it up to 15% or whatever. So we argue back and say, no, don't raise the cost of the product. Instead, keep the 5.5% the same and just give us more plants to grow. Because if I can grow 60 flowering instead of 30, I can bring in double the sales tax that I used to bring in. True. And if you give me triple the plant count, that's triple. And I think I can sell just about all this shit. So at the end of the day, if what we're looking for is to generate more sales tax, I'm pretty certain I can triple my output, you know, just give me more plants. And now we've got to go sell that story and make sure the damn scumbag lobbyists don't sell their story because they want to bring us up. They want our prices to be so high that the adult that use there can is look better. That, no, that the adult use can compete with us now because that's the adult use's big problem is medical. Prices right now were 50, 55 uh, or 55, 60 in uh, adult use uh, I mostly. Mean, four I, and that's eight. what I'm hearing. It's yeah, like that's what I've been hearing. Between you heard 55 too, and yeah. 65 on average. Yeah. So, so they want us instead of Which instead of higher. them fixing their program. And making it so that their products can be more affordable and more accessible and more opportunity for a business person to sign up for that program. Instead of doing that, they want to bring our program up to the level of that program that's already admittedly broken to a certain extent. Because why should you have to pay $65 for an eighth mm -hmm. when you can buy it down the road for 35 and, yeah, right. And so they got to fix that. And it's the answer isn't to raise the prices on everything. Main we're, this isn't Hollywood, you know. We don't have money to throw around. And right, but I think also the legislature is lazy. 
and uh, they would be a lot happier if there was maybe two or three operations in the whole state because then they only have to keep an eye on two or yeah. three people. Well, that's the you know way what I mean. They're, they're trying to put in a neat little package. Yeah, they're taking away a craft. It's like it's like taking the beer business and you know and all these craft beer oh, places and saying, yeah. yeah, say okay, no, <laughs> it's going to cost you. Uh, Triple the cost for all of you doing business now, so we're going to just get rid of you, and we're just going to have Budweiser's taking over. Right, right. We, only, we want to deal with Budweiser because they're just going to give us one check. Right, yeah, exactly. And, and they're easy to follow. And, and, right. and exactly. What were the number of caregivers this year um, as documented? Was it, 20, I mean, was it 30, 25 or 3,200 somewhere? It's always between like 2,500 and 3,000 for the Yeah, most it fluctuates part. a lot, right? Yeah, different time, And so... I haven't looked at it lately, but... Um, You're right. If you I could work the, with a dozen instead of... Count, yeah, the patient count you know. was like 60, between 60 and 65,000 at the end of last December. Yeah. Which is the biggest ever. That's huge. Right. Counting our out-of-state this year, if uh, somehow they could configure numbers like that as well. Um, yeah, it's probably... It's going to be huge. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's huge impact. Market. I mean, well, the people come up from out-of-state because the product with their state-run... Weed operations, like in Mass and stuff, the, the product's horrible. Yeah. The service they is horrible. It all up. The so they, they sucks. I mean, if you're willing to drive two and a half to three yeah. hours to get, you know what I mean? There's I, something wrong with where you're coming from then. No, you know, I had a guy write me. He was so pissed off. He's coming up to join us at the next uh, Theory Wellness uh, protest. And so he was pissed. He drove up here from Boston only to get to the South Portland. He thought he was going to get Maine weed if he drove to South Portland Theory Wellness. And he bought a couple strains, and he said it was the identical same weed as what they sell at the dispensary down in Boston. And he was so pissed off, so he started writing them text messages. Apparently, their Waterville phone number is actually a cell phone number. So he starts texting. Oh, oh, no. And they're texting back. And all of a sudden, they're like... They're like, whoops, we're sorry about that. Um, it looks real similar, but it's really not the same weed. It's actually different weed. We bought it from Maine Caregivers, and it was the friggin' funniest thing oh, I'm yeah. watching. And all of a sudden, like, it keeps getting escalated to, like, the next level up. And this is the manager, George. Um, well, I'm, oh, wow. I'm here to say that it was, it was, it was Maine weed. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's all pissed off, and they're basically saying, come in, we'll try to fix it. You know, don't yeah. give us a bad review. Well, the guy got so pissed off, he's, he's literally been messaging me regularly, and he wants to come to Maine now for the next protest because he's so mad at him. And so he's driving up to Massachusetts now to buy his Maine weed, and he, he, now he knows not to go to Theory Wellness, and he wants to start protesting. I think that's pretty fucking Yeah, that, that's there. awesome. Yeah. That's really good. It's so funny because we've had so many people come up to us when we're protesting in front of these places, whether it's Theory Wellness or Wellness Connection, and they're driving by in, like, Massachusetts license plate cars, and they're rolling down their window, and, like, one guy was at Wellness Connection, and he was like, yeah, all right, keep it local. And we go, no, no, we go, that place is not local. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? He was horrified. Mm -hmm. And so we had to go, we went up to the side and had a chat with him for like five minutes. Oh, by the end of it all, he was taking his picture with us and we were, all, you know, he was <laughs> high fiving us. He's like, next time I, we gave him like three different places to go to. He was all excited. But Massachusetts plates and there's all kinds of them. They don't even support the, the out of state. No, they don't. Here. You know, you know, we uh, opening up um, the store and there are some brands, obviously it's not in every store, but it's in a portion of stores uh, for sure. 
we get a lot of uh, we get a lot of New England people who come to the store, like uh, from out of state, uh, who shop or grab it because they're interested in the brands and they know the brands and they know oh, yeah. they yeah. they know the product. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, they go right on Weed Maps with our store and it's like, <laughs> you know, they they'll call up, hey, I'm coming up, I want to get this and that. Do you have this or right? Can you yeah, I want to make sure. Yeah, this oh, and yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some have built up to a point where where they have that attraction. In fact, a lot of them. And that's great for the main <laughs> cannabis, uh, craft cannabis scene, you know, for those really who is. want it's it. It's really cool. I mean, when you think about it, it's like the coolest thing you could ask for. Like, we are forcing the out-of-state people to come to vacation land. They've got to stop at a restaurant or two, you know. Maybe they even stay at a hotel or a couple nights or even or whatever. And then they're going to spend their money up in Maine. And then they're going to go back to Massachusetts. And some of these people, it's not like they're all hunters and fishers or skiers or anything. These are people that might never have come to Maine if it wasn't for this, you know. And mm-hmm. right. and then on top of that, you got all the Making the vacation because of. Exactly. <laughs> right. like, this is a whole new segment. Yeah. Like, Cannabis tourism is a real thing. Yeah, it Exactly. Is. Yeah. And it's going to escalate all the current industries, too. You know, some of these people are coming up to eat lobster and ride on the boat, the whale show yeah. boat yeah. or whatever you know and they all do it while getting and they all do it while getting high too which is kind of like the that's funny it. thing about it like <laughs> I, I've, I've also so no, I've enjoyed more of it too like it, it, Maine has like a weird so, thing now so where like, it's like Portland's known for like getting stoned to shit and then going to have some good food yeah because like think about this like if you're a regular camper guy let's say right or uh, so maybe you got you normally go to either Maine Vermont or New Hampshire well now but you're a you're a stoner so now it's you're in. You're definitely coming to Maine. Right. <laughs> we just we just stack the deck big time. Yeah. yeah. On New Hampshire and Vermont, pretty much, because they really don't have their shit together yet. Nope. <laughs> and Mass really doesn't either. You know, I mean, let's face it. Nobody would want to go on vacation to Mass. Yeah. Well, nobody the, goes the Cape's all right. But no, no, we, we have we it, and we probably have it. You know, it's been good to have Skiing. had a couple years, uh, a good four or five years for you, longer than a lot of other people about a storefront. But for, for stores, it's been a venture of the last, say, I'd average maybe three years right now, uh, the age of a store for the oh, most part. Oh, yeah, yeah. On a yeah. state yeah. level, really yeah. maybe even lower to two About now. because 2017, 2016 yeah, is when it f- first started to explode, I think. Right. But there's still a lot of stores being introduced, too, oh, at this yeah. point. And they can't keep up I mean, up it keeps happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, it's going to be a ton. And so, you know what's funny? Because we're always going to OMP telling them, don't do this. You'll you'll help the black market. And don't do this. You know, you raise the prices too high, you'll scare away the, the, the white market. <laughs> yep. You know, we try to guide them in the right way and explain to him, them, and they just don't hear us, I guess. But, you know, what's going to be coming in the future is I think we're going to be seeing a situation where um, – they're gonna they're gonna try to outprice everything. We're gonna tell them you're gonna screw it up. The black market's gonna come take over again, and then what's gonna happen is something they didn't expect. Like they think the black market is gonna come in the form of people dealing on the street corners or whatever, and you know things like that. But I think instead what they're gonna see is that it's gonna come in the form of people just saying fuck it. I'm gonna open my store. Fuck the license. Fuck the permit. Fuck everything. Because that's what's going on everywhere else. In Toronto, oh, they can't yeah. shut them down fast enough. In fucking California, like L.A., they're like in a year's time, they shut down like 400 stores or something. And, and it's just... not because. And you know what are they getting them for? Because they have no license, no nothing. They don't have a tax ID. They don't have anything. They're just doing everything like screw it. And so it's making a serious mess of everything. 
And so they found this fast track way to process these guys, but it's not spanking them hard enough because they're just going down the road and a month later they're setting up another storefront with the same stupid green cross or whatever in the front. And this is a real problem in California. It's happening in Canada. And if You think they it could happen here? Oh, absolutely. The overregulation is going. If they try to crank medical up to the level of where adult use is, yeah. they are inevitably going to open lot. up gonna that, lose. that black oh, yeah. market. And it, will be, it won't be a black market. It'll be like a gray market. Because like I said, they're going to have stores. They're going to have, you know. Right. Um, uh, delivery services. Exactly. The delivery yeah. services. And that's who they're going to. And they're going to find themselves running around playing, you know, business cops or whatever the hell mm-hmm. they're going to be, I guess, trying to shut down the ones without the permits and keep the ones up that are running. And, and I just think it's going to, you know, all this can be easily avoided if they just listen to us. A couple of... Uh, <laughs> Basically. A little less greed. Instead of this listening to the a, lobbyists, a couple, try right. listen to the real people in the industry that made that $111 million number go crazy mm-hmm. and created 300 storefronts in like literally a couple, two or three years. And... How about listening to us for once? Because right. we're the we're the driving. We're the Colorado, right. Colorado is doing very well with their medical program for a long uh, for for the short and brief period of time it, it had existed. I think it had a really good name before that, though. I mean, it was a strong underground business that a lot of people in Colorado were excelling at or just investing in. And then when they changed regulations, when corporate cannabis came in and changed state rules and regulations on them well patrick from uh, gamebred genetics uh, was a guest uh, he cited he was there in colorado during that period of time and he said they changed it from 500 square feet to 500 cubic feet which meant oh. you uh couldn't you couldn't Growing expand you couldn't anymore. grow yeah you were you were <laughs> You couldn't grow with twenty five foot ceilings anymore. No. You no, it was too much already. <laughs> right. So that changed uh that basically led to the extinction of uh small of, of caregivers. And so oh, yeah. I think those are things we need to guard and against. Then, and then right. and if we and have representation, if we have people fighting for the cannabis industry. And, and 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 the thing that happens after that that a lot of people don't realize, it's like first they came for the the black people, then they came for the Jewish people, then they came for me or whatever. That's what's going to happen because next they're going to come for the home grows, you know, like as a patient. Oh, now you can't, or maybe as adult use program. They already cut it down from six plants to three plants. Right. They're going to cut that thing down to zero. Then they're going to go to the patients and say, okay, you guys can't grow six plants anymore. That's illegal. And then, and then once they get rid of that, now they've forced everybody to become a consumer, whether you like it or not. And that's the ultimate goal. Would they be able to enforce that? I mean, like I mean, we talk about how they'd rather to, deal with a... <laughs> how how would, they, yeah, how does that deal work? Deal with a dozen entities. Well, this yeah. is so now the, you're working this with This is the mentality of, of these people, though. You know, they just think they can regulate anything, and it's going to just work out that way, mm-hmm. and they're going to get their end result, and it's... Being in the uh, cannabis industry, I'd, I'd take that as a total bluff in, in the sense of trying to enforce, but... but right. But uh, it's because we have always kind of seen an, uh, an enforcement of that level as a bluff right. anyways. Kind yeah. of a stupid-ass bluff because it's almost like it shows their true colors, yet it's completely unenforceable. No, but it does go there, yeah. I it's mean, like, you're, oh, you're like, look, this is, this is what we want you to do. Like, we want to have complete control of you. 
no way to actually do it. So it's like it doesn't actually solve anything. So well, you, really scare it's a lot of a, you scare a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of people afraid. A lot of, a lot of states that have adult that. use programs don't allow home grows, mm-hmm. you know, personal grows or whatever. So, so that's, you know, we're kind of unique. And, and I can't think of what states allow it and what states don't, but it, the majority don't, as far as I re- recall. And, mm. and that's, that's a problem. Because that makes us <laughs> the minority. The next, one, the next one on the list. We're the, the, we're the low-hanging fruit. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Be wa- I suppose if we become eye. somebody's agenda, then, uh, yeah, certainly we'd be up right. for it. But, yeah, again, gotta, another thing. If we can be 10, 15 years from now, um, Mainers can grow. I think we will have we've won some oh, sort yeah. of battle. Right. Oh, yeah. There. Double but I mean, road. Maine's really known for small. This, hey, let's go to Maine. They go, to, they got little restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, Plain they have right. they have craft beer places. Oh, they have this pottery shop. They have this thing. You know, people don't go to to Maine like in other cities where they go to some giant mall so they can go get their uh, whatever their Danish things and their and their, <laughs> yeah. and their ham farm farmed ham places. And you know, they live like a, a whole life of McDonald's consumption. It's got to be mm-hmm. a brand name. It, you know, they, go get, they, don't, they don't come to Maine to go to Red Lobster. No. Right, you know what I mean? Right. But that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to turn cannabis into the Red yeah. Lobster. Yeah, that's, yeah. Because that's the a state's great, lazy. That's a like great I said, analogy. they're lazy. They, they want one check. That's a great way they we want can sell one it check. to Augusta, too. We can bring that to Augusta and yeah. say, okay, how many of you would go get your lobster at Red Lobster? Yeah. Exactly. Now <laughs> you know how we feel when these pricks come up from Massachusetts and try to make their cannabis be the selling, the forced marketed item and, and using you guys as a tool to force yeah. it on us all. Because <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. that's reality. I mean, that yeah. just breaks it down in a mm-hmm. nutshell. Nobody goes to Red Lobster to get their damn lobster in Maine. It's a failed <laughs> business plan. Right. And these idiots are going to keep going and going until they've spent all their money and they've got unlimited funds. So it's like... So do they give you time when you go up to Augusta to speak? Like, oh, do you yeah. ever... And t- so you have... Everybody, t- every citizen is allowed three minutes at a public hearing. So... and If and, you bring and enough of your friends... And if you bring a lot of people, that's a lot of minutes. Yeah. And if you guys all have, you know, the same kind of focused plan, you can send a very loud message. And, and, and what's cool is, is if you give a really good testimony or something, then a lot of times they will ask you a follow-up question. And once they ask you a follow-up question, you got unlimited time after that. Oh, really? Like it's a three-minute clock for your testimony. So you're, like, racing to say everything you can say. And then after, they say, okay, any questions? And then the senators and reps all have a chance to ask you a question if they want. And so if you get two or three questions, you know you, you hit a nerve. You know? yep. you're, you're making change, and, it, and, it's, and it's a really cool feeling because you're like, shit, I just made a difference. And then, and then you just sit there and you wait for them until after the meeting's over, you know? Yep. And then yep. you catch them out in the hallway and you follow up with them, and you're like, hey, you know, can I, can I, I'll send you an email, you know? Let's follow up. Yep. <laughs> and then before you know it, they'll, you, you know, a lot of these people are pretty – um, accessible, they're pretty open, and I think a lot of them have pride in their job and what they do, try to represent the people properly. Do you make and a lot of money doing that or no? What's like the house, like is it, is it it's not much pay? No, no, no. Oh, for, to no, be for a representative or a senator? No, yeah, it's, it's a joke. Yeah. It's yeah. like, like it's 12, not really. state reps like yeah. 12,000. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, that's what, it, that's yeah, what and, and you get like a little bit of mileage money or something. Yeah, right. if you depend on how far away you are from Augusta, but it's 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 a joke, and and um, I'm donating my salary. Hell, oh, you are just so everybody knows here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. I am. I'm donating to uh, four different charities that impact uh, District 60. So oh. I'm, I'm working for free. 
That's awesome. Awesome. It's public service, so that's what you. That's you're actually what public giving service back. Is. You're giving. You're, yeah. you're. 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 Carbon negative or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not negative. I'm positive. Positive. Brother. Yeah. Whatever it is. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Guys, yeah. thanks so much for coming on to the podcast this afternoon. Um, we really appreciate your time. We had a great. We enjoyed it very much. Evan, anything you want to add? No, yeah. Sorry for chomping into the mic once in a while. But <laughs> thanks for coming by. It brings it down Guys, to a real level. Guys, anything Party? Anything? Uh, no, just thank you for having me, and thank you, Dawson, for coming over, man. Yeah, and thanks for having and... me, guys. And and just uh, one more plug, if I sure, can. Sure, sure. Everybody vote for uh, in Lewiston, District 60, House District. We need John Morrison. Please consider giving him your vote and spread the word. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that, thank Russell. you, John. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Best right. to you.